The goal is to be a team. You know, you're you're a family. You're you're have this vision together. And I think when a lot of problems crop up is when we move from that team attitude、mm-hmm. toward an attitude of competition. Virtues are habits. We have to practice them. And if ninety percent of our life, which is what we are maybe wrongly thinking of as drudgery, that ninety percent of the life, the the normal, ordinary life. We can turn. We can turn that on its head and say, "No, that's where the drama happens. That's where I learn to serve. I learn to pour myself out for the other person." Welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host John Mark Grodai, and I'm Teresa Grodai.、We're、back with another extraordinary conversation about、uh, the ordinary. Gosh, what have I said? <laughs> the truth and pursuit of goodness and be a. This is this is a show about family life. About the, God is calling you to be a saint, and the material with which He wants to build you into a saint. The the opportunities for that are in your vocation, your daily life. And I'll remember our tagline some other time. Yeah, I think for the first year of our podcast, I was telling everybody our podcast is called Awaken Catholic. <laughs> Sorry to get that not. right, but we're glad to be back with you for another conversation about all this good stuff. And we're extra excited because、uh, we had a great guest last time. Haley Stewart was with us,、uh, and she's back、uh, for another conversation、uh, about a topic that we're all excited about here.、Uh, before we we reintroduce her, bring her back here, and. Just want to remind you, as always, that you can go to elevateordinary.com for more information about the show, to get back into the archives, to see the last great episode with、uh, Haley on Jane Austen and the virtues. That was awesome.、Uh, also, information about our patron community, the Manor at Saint Anne's. Check that out there. Also, download the Awaken app at theawakenapp.io. It's the best way to follow this show, other shows here on Awaken Catholic. So, with no further ado, welcome back, Haley. Thanks for joining us again on the show here. Thanks so much for having me. Good to see you again. I really enjoyed the conversation last time about a couple of our. These are a few of our favorite things: Jane Austen and the virtues and all <laughs> that. It was really wonderful. So, so we wanted to have you back on because you had an article written、um, <clears throat> on, as we talked about before, like your dinosaur blog at the beginnings of Catholic <laughs> blogging. <laughs> Haley's like a pro; she's been on it forever.、Mm-hmm. Um, but you wrote this article called. Sharing how, like how we share the mental load of homemaking, and I think you you were referencing a, another article that was maybe on an Australian news site, and maybe that one might have been called "Sharing the Mental Load of Homemaking." I don't have all that all correct, but the point was is that you brought this concept to our attention,、um, and the article was interesting, and your take on it was interesting, but it, it really it sort of sparked a conversation in our marriage that was a big turning point,、mm-hmm. and I think it's a really important topic. So we'll just give a little bit of like our. Take in other words of what happened in our marriage, but then we'll get into this topic. And I, I, you want me to start there, Teresa? With I'm, I'm going to start. You, you start. You do it. Yeah. I, I like my narrative.、Better. Okay, sounds good.、Um, <laughs> no, so like I'm, I'm like a feminist, and I had my conversion to Catholicism in my 20s. Well, re reversion from Creative Catholicism, which was kind of sort of nothing, New Agey, I guess, or feministy, education based.、Um, But when we came into marriage as like converted, and then well educated in like theology of the body and Catholic social teaching, or not Catholic social teaching, Catholic teaching in general,、um, 
I had this role that I thought I was going to be assuming in our marriage. And I, I laughed so hard because you have another, you have another article on your blog, something about how my, my new year's resolution is like peace for my family. And you had said something, I wrote it down that you laughed your way through the mother's rule of life. And I felt exactly the same <laughs> because I like pick up all these Catholic women things. And I'm just like, this, like something in my temperament, my God-given temperament would have to die for me to be able to identify. And it's not like those things are bad. It's just like my temperament is so entirely different. So the beginning of our marriage, I did, I like tried to fit myself into this like peg of I'm staying at home because I'm still finishing my degree and I'm cooking all the meals. I had no idea how to cook. Um, you know, just like assuming these roles that I had no prior doing everyone's laundry and getting fussy about, you know, not picking up stuff off the floor or whatever. And none of this we discussed very much. <clears throat> no. Right? We just kind of fell into like, these things. <laughs> you're working hard <laughs> outside problem the number home. One. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've made this decision where I'm going to stay home. And it was a free will based decision. Um, You know, once we had our first child, I mean, I think I, I came, sorry, there was a bug. Sorry. <laughs> um, I came to like homeschooling and staying home through my free will but I hated the idea of it prior to like God changing my heart through the, the first child that I, you know, we had. And, um, but it took us a really long time to like deal with my resentment and kind of your bewildering be like, why does she act like this about homemaking stuff? Um, until John Mark somehow came across your article and I'm going to let you pick up there. Well, I mean, one, one pattern that we discovered early on in our marriage, and we, we didn't start out great communicators, um, but we we tried and fits and starts to sort of like figure out home life and, and divide up the duties and stuff like that. But one thing we quickly discovered is that you, you would get overwhelmed with things and without us talking very intelligently and intimately about it, I would just assume, well, I just need to do more stuff. Like that's the answer here. I guess I'm not doing enough stuff. I'll do more stuff. And I would do more stuff in the home and it wouldn't fix it. And we, and then we would sort of, re, we recognized over time that, you know, what, what was, what was lacking. And that's, this where the, that article kind of gave, it gave words to what we were experiencing is that the issue isn't the amount of stuff. The issue was that where we started out as a team going into marriage, we quickly started living parallel lives where you have your stuff you do, I have my stuff that I do. We never really decided that um, necessarily intentionally. It just kind of happened. But it wasn't the amount so much as it was that we have our own projects. We're kind of living them separately. And that there's a huge difference between when we are a team looking at this project that we have together and making, you know, making decisions about how we're going to attack it together versus when we start to pull apart and we're just doing our own things. And we begin to recognize this pattern, like where we, you know, we, when we're together, when we're a team looking at this project of home and family life and our marriage and, and, and the, the, the things that we want to do that we're passionate about, but that we have to work on together as a couple, when we're together working on those, it, the world looks a whole, it's, there's a world of difference between how things look when we're working on it together as a team versus when we start to pull apart and we're kind of just got our head down working on our own stuff. And so we saw this pattern repeat over and over. And I, I, even to this day, like sometimes Teresa will be like, well, there's too much in the calendar. There's too much going on. The house is too full. And that may be partially true, right? But it also, we always recognize now that more than anything, that means that 
well, we've begun to kind of pull apart here. So I guess, again, that, that long introduction to talk about, like you have talked a lot about this on your blog and you've got this great resource called Making Big Life Changes Together. We want to talk about that dynamic, like the big difference <laughs> that it makes of working side by side with your spouse and that discernment. Um, I don't know the best way to get into it because we given our, our long intro here, <laughs> but what, <laughs> what, what some, some starting thoughts from you, what, do you, what do you, comes to mind? In, in, yeah. Well, I think you've, you communicate a lot of that really well, that there's you, the goal is to be a team. You know, you're, you're a family, you're, you're have this vision together. And I think when a lot of problems crop up is when we move from that team attitude right. toward an attitude of competition mm. where um, it's true that there's only 24 hours in the day and there are children to take care of. And so our, um, there's limited resources of time for each of us individually. That's a reality. However, if we're kind of viewing our family life and our household obligations and all of these things as um, kind of this fight for those resources that we need, whether those resources are time to ourselves or um, pursuing our passions or different things, then it's like we're at, we're in conflict. Mm -hmm. And so it's moving away from that attitude towards how are we a team? How do we work together? And um, part of that does have to do with this idea of um, it, within family life, there is a lot of kind of administrative project manager sort of responsibilities. And if one person is carrying that whole load, yeah. it becomes, it can feel really, really overwhelming. And the other person might not even realize what unseen work the, their spouse is doing to keep everyone's head above water. And you, again, it's clear from your blog and some of your writing here that you guys as a couple have a lot of experience with this. I mean, would you talk about some of your own experiences on how this became an important focus of yours in terms of your writing, but also your experience of your own family? Sure. Well, I think that when I heard about this concept of mental load, that the article that I was reading about was talking about how, while most families, both parents work, the woman is usually responsible for more than half, you know, 75 to however percentage of the work in the home. And a lot of that work is not anything that's visible. It's not that the spouse is refusing to do the dishes or has a bad attitude or any of these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. It's that she is having to um, delegate responsibilities. So she's both doing these tasks and she's kind of this manager who's then delegating what needs to happen. So she has to be aware of everything that needs to be ha happening and then who has each task. And so she's actually doing two different jobs that are can be really exhausting, especially depending on the, the situation. And I think that the thing that's really key is to think about you know, what is our family situation right now? What are we both good at and what's important to us? And then how can we keep all those things in mind to create something that's going to really help our family thrive and we can really work together. And so the way our household works has changed tons over the years, depending on who's home the most, how old our kids are, what's going on with education. We homeschooled for almost 13 years and just this year, our kids went to school. And so with all of that means 
you're constantly kind of reevaluating these things. But if you're coming at it as a team, then you know every everybody wins. You can figure out creatively how to work things so everyone can thrive. But when I was home almost full time, it just made sense for me to be in charge of laundry because I'm here to move the clothes from the washer to the dryer and, and fold them. It just made perfect sense. Yeah. But then when my husband cut back to part-time a year ago, he was part-time for about nine months. He took over the laundry because he was home more. So it just, it just made sense. Mm -hmm. So figuring out those things together so that everything can, you know, run as, as smoothly as family life can run, which in my house is not super smoothly, but just so we have clean underwear, you know? <laughs> That was like the most succinct and perfect way I have heard summed up. Like when people give us or want some kind of advice on how our household runs or how or whatever, it's just always like, well, it's always changing because we're always discerning. Like everyone's always growing. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, I'm living on this like two year cycle of like pregnancy, postpartum, you know, like then feeling great and then pregnant again, you know? So it's like, we're always <laughs> changing and we're always like developing our next rallying cry. Um, we talk about the book a lot, the three big questions for frantic families. Yeah. We always get the title wrong. We're not title people. So uh, by Pat Lencioni, he kind of walks you through this, you know, this uh, situation as a, like a COO, you know, like somebody who manages people professionally. Um, but, oh, darn, my pregnant brain. Well, I had a place I was going with this. Well, I mean, it's, it's not there anymore. <laughs> I mean, one thing that comes to mind, and maybe this will jog your, where you were going with that, is that I think there's, there's a practical issue here, and then there's a kind of the theoretical issue yeah, behind it. that's where. So he, he sent me the article, and I read it, and I took it as, oh my gosh, we need to decide what things are easy for me to do, and what things, like like the charisms thing, you know, like what is a, is a thing that he, it would just be like no problem for him to do. And for me, it's like this thing, like the medical bills was my huge thing. Like I would just let them sit and sit and sit because I would call and have like a half hour phone conversation where I'm punching buttons. And he's like, well, I'll just put it on automatic online. See this website here? And I'm, I hate online stuff. So I was calling, <laughs> you know, and he took it over and it was so simple. Um, and so when I read the article and he sent it to me, I was thinking like, oh, all these practical ways we can divide things that are just not a problem for either one of us or a passion for one of us. You know, you talk about Daniel cooking, <coughs> and it makes sense for him then to do the grocery shopping because if you're, if he's the one that's cooking, like right. why would somebody else do the grocery shopping, you know? Well, and so what you're saying, Teresa, yeah. So like, I mean, there's like then the practical side of this, which is just like, well, there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done. And, you know, if we, if we have better conversations as spouses, we can more intelligently, you know, organize that. I think for me, the bigger impact was the, the kind of the theoretical question behind that, which is, that the way that we just kind of let family life happen, household happen, is reflective of a poor vision of family life that we've absorbed from the culture. And that is that the big important stuff happens out there. And this is just kind of like the the, the holding place, you know, where we come to eat and sleep and, and, and you know, shower, and then we go back out to the important stuff. Um, whereas, no, family life, that this is the point. This is where real life happens. Um, and it's the most important project in our lives is the family life. Like you know, we have some other projects, but this is the most important mission that God has given us together. And we can't do it effectively unless we're coming together to work on it. And it, you know, in my, in my role as a husband to lead that conversation, to lead us into like, we have to be 
and and I and and it was a big conversion experience for me because I just realized like I wasn't doing that. I was just kind of on autopilot, and it was nice to go to work, and then there was home stuff, whatever. But we had to cut. I had to lead us together into a conversation mm-hmm. about no, this is our yeah. mission of the like home. instead of letting my freakouts and my overwhelm kind of lead our decision making. Mm-hmm. He then began taking a proactive, um, you know, leadership role of like we need to make sure that we're getting together frequently to talk about things, you know, and you know, taking all the Teresa eye rolling of like I don't want to make another list. I don't make an, want to make another rallying cry. You know, but like he did assume this very Christ-like leadership of of self-sacrificing to put us in these positions every week or have, however often where we would have to talk about these things. Actually, it reminds me a lot of NFP where like you kind of are, you have to put yourself in a position where you're confronted with the couple questions that you have to have and you can't just forget exist for several years, you know, or, or arbitrarily, like it drives me crazy when... <laughs> NFP teachers try to like, because it's obviously more for the woman because she's learning her body and she's learning the empowerment of what it is to know your body. I mean, I can't believe that, that we don't, that we're not encouraged to do, to know this, you know? Um, And sometimes like, then the husband's just like, well, what do I do over here? You know? And then they're like, well, you can wake up every day and keep the thermometer on your side and like, put it in her mouth and record the temperature. But it's like, it's only so long before that action builds up a ton of resentment, <laughs> you know? And then you're like, I can just do this myself, you know? So it, it's kind of like, I remember I went to go see Jessica Valentis. She came to our um, our BGSU, our college, and she was like the head of the feminist movement in the United States at the time. I'm not sure what that was called, but she was the head of it. And I remember her talking about her new husband, about this situation, like, well, I, you have to learn how to see the laundry on the floor. It can't just be me. And, you know, then she kind of like set up these arbitrary rules that they were going to have to like split their life equally down in half. And I felt like this can't just be the only option. It can't just be that like in order to live as, as a modern, like as a, not a modern couple. Now I'm sounding really weird, but like, um, to live a more shoulder to shoulder way of, of living like that. We have to make these arbitrary, silly rules that just make each other angry all the time, you know, but we have to do them so that we can be equal. Um, and so yeah, and there's like, this kind of mindset behind that of like, don't you dare make me do one more task than is my share. You know, the, yeah, it starts yeah. to be again, this kind of competition. Whereas if we're, if both people are really being a team and wanting to serve the other person and serve the family, then it's just the attitude of that mm-hmm. kind of takes away the need for like quibbling over mm-hmm. how many dishes you've done versus how, you know, how many loads of laundry the other person has done. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's like you're both working together and there's a lot of goodwill and, and yeah. gratitude and appreciation going both yeah. ways that kind of smooths over any of those smaller quibbles, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think John Paul II calls it like the mutual self-sacrifice of spouses. So like, or, or family members, like when everybody's self-sacrificing, then everybody's getting taken care of. And so everybody both feels like joy and leisure and care. And at the same time, like the pouring out of self. And it's just such a, a whole way to live in, in a way in which like, 
God's divine creativity can then like when you look at your life and you wrote like you wrote at one point, like you you're looking at your family as if you're setting us up for success. Like, how are we setting ourselves up for success? Um, you know, so when you look at your family and your marriage like that, um, it allows for God's divine creativity to allow the individuals and the family both together in this mysterious way to flourish into something big and beautiful that's full of him and full of his overflowing fertility in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that a lot of times we stop trying to be creative Mm -hmm. about how to help our family thrive and move back into this competition of, you know, who's getting to pursue their passions right now, or, (laughs) you know, sometimes just the reality is that we have to take turns that just the situation means that both of us can't just do whatever we want or what we'd most like to do in this season of our lives. And so figuring out, okay, how can I support the person who's sacrificing for me and my career right now? How can I make sure that they are still getting to do some of the things that make them come alive and and think about the future? You know, we're moving towards a new season where maybe the spouse is getting to take a turn and just continuing to work together and discern together and letting the other person know that their passions and their needs are important to us. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm pregnant, I'm like out of commission. I get so sick Mm -hmm. and I just need everyone to take care of me for several months because I am like dead to the world. I have no energy. I'm throwing up all the time. It's just awful. And so during those seasons, we're not going to be able to both, completely pursue our passions of everything we'd like to do because that's just not the reality but we can still support each other and look towards you know the next season things are going to be a little bit different and we'll be able to do things differently and so I think just keeping all that in mind keeping the reality that we're in in mind but remembering that that reality is going to shift as our family life continues to shift and think about um within the reality that we need to accept, we are living in this in this life, then how can we support each other? How can we try to help each other thrive and our family thrive? And I think when we bring a lot of creativity to that yeah. and we have this attitude of desiring good for the other person and desiring the other person to be able to continue growing and using their gifts and sharing them with the world, then there's kind of this safety to that because mm. we're, we're not, again, facing that kind of competitive nature yeah. where we feel like we're having to fight for those precious resources that we each need. Can you talk, talk a little bit more about that? Cause I, when I'm, you know, I'm always trying to think of here of what, how people hear this and some of the, the prejudices or the assumptions that come up. I think one thing that might come up in people's minds when they hear talking about family life and they hear talk about like continuing to develop your gifts or pursue your passions. Sometimes we, again, we see those like in opposition, like, well, I'm married now and now it's family life and I just have to do my duty. And there's not, I really need to set that kind of stuff aside. Or maybe that's just for my partner. You know, maybe just the husband, he gets to pursue his passions, but not the wife or vice versa or something like that. Talk about that. Like where do those fit in our life? When we, we get married, when the family situation, is there still a place for, but I, I want to write or I want to like, how do you fit that in? How do you discern that? Yeah. Well, one, um, during one season in our lives, when I was home with little kids and homeschooling and we had, 
what, three babies in a row and it made tons more sense for me to stay home with them. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still wanting to do creative work and to write. So on Saturdays when my husband was home, I would spend that whole Saturday morning into the early afternoon just going somewhere and writing all morning. Nice. And so, you know, he'd worked a full week and then took over everything at home for that Saturday morning to to make sure that I was still getting to chip away at honing those writing skills and continue getting that um, creative time in that was really life-giving to me and really energized me. And then for him, he is a runner that's kind of just great for his mental health, makes him feel good. It's really important to his well-being. And so you know, I'm tired with toddlers, but making sure that every day he got that time or during the weekend got extra time to really do these long runs or train for marathons like he wanted to do. And so just having that support for each other, our family life is is the center and we're needing, especially when we had all little kids, you need to spend so much physical energy and time and sleep deprivation just um, supporting our little family, but then seeing that, you know, we are also part of the family and Mm -hmm. also need to thrive. And so while I may have preferred to get to write every morning, that wasn't our reality. That's okay. But making sure that I always got that time on Saturday morning, just, I think it's so much more, like we've said several times, it's it's the attitude Mm -hmm. that we have towards our family life and the attitude we have towards um, sacrificing for our spouse rather than the the number of hours or the number of tasks or yeah. or those more measurable things. Yeah, yeah. We, we were recently talking about this with, you know, because a new baby's coming. And a lot of times when a new baby comes, people ask you, like, what do you do to prepare the other kids? Right. And so thinking like I'm a practical person, so I'm always thinking along the practicals. But really recently um, you're just thinking like you know, you're bringing that new sibling almost into a new role of like standing shoulder to shoulder with you and like problem solving the little baby. Right. So you're always like inviting them. Like, are you going to change the diaper? Are you going to help me change those diapers? And you are a big brother now Mm -hmm. and they're going to sit next to you in the car and you can hold their hand, you know, like, like you're bringing them into this different role because now you have a new reality of a life that you have to, that mommy yeah. now has to give all of her attention to, you know? And so instead of just being like, I'll give you time when I give you time, it's like, no, you're, you're now in the shoulder to shoulder role with me. Yeah. You know, you're, you're the big brother and that's a new big role for you, mm. you know? Um, and yeah, it, it's beautiful to see your kids then take on, take on what you do with spouse as spouses mm-hmm. together you know, this problem solving mm-hmm. and looking at your problems and um, standing together. You know, it's it's kind of like when the apostles, mm-hmm. like they had to work with Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. you, this man that they see, you know, do miracles and be transfigured. They did have to like work in the vineyard with him mm-hmm. as like a real human man. And so it is it's beautiful to see like the children yeah. kind of become part of those roles, too. And I think also when we're modeling um, for our kids that family life is important, you know, both mom and dad are going to spend a lot of energy on 
our home and family life, mm -hmm. then that's, and what <clears throat> seeing us discern, you know, different seasons. Mm -hmm. Oh, in this season, dad's doing the laundry in this season, mom's doing the laundry mm -hmm. in this season, mom's doing the grocery order. But in this other season, dad's doing all the food stuff, you know, that seeing that both parents pour themselves out into the home mm -hmm. shows that this is a really important space. Like this is a really important sphere. And so I think that's a beautiful model. I think it's easy to kind of get caught up on like, what are the traditional gender roles? Who should yeah. be doing the laundry? But, you know, if we're showing our children that this isn't drudgery, anybody mm -hmm. should, you know, this is some, a gift that both spouses and any family member should be contributing to, mm -hmm. then that's going to be a gift for them to take into their family life yeah. if they're called to marriage. I'm always um, impressed by my oldest just really loves to jump in, not necessarily jump in and help on all the things I'd like, but he does like having certain responsibilities. So I went out of town last year with my older daughters. And when I was gone for five days, I came back and he had potty trained the toddler. So she was almost wow. three and he just, he had a whole system and he, she was potty trained by the time I got back. And I just love that because I love imagining, well, if he gets to be a dad, mm -hmm. he's already potty trained a toddler. Like he's already seen that like men get in there and like bless their yeah. homes and family life. And that that is something that he will be so equipped to do if he gets to be a father. And that just like makes me so happy. Yeah. And this, again, the thread that I, I, I don't want to pull on here a little bit, because I, I think it's, so crucial is that what we're talking, what we've all experienced here, and, and we're, we're always testing, experimenting, trying to live out better in our family life, is that it's a very Catholic vision of, of the family. It's a very personalist vision that is contra a lot of what we encounter in the world. And, and it connects both the necessary work, you know, that is involved in, in the home, but also why there's still that place where, you know, that we develop our passions and our art. Because... And I think it's this, it's that, that again, society, family, the family isn't here to like bolster up society or build society. Society is here to support the family. That's where life happens. That's where humans come into the world. That's where they develop and flourish. That's where they grow in virtue. That's where they develop and developing humans, helping them to, to, to be nurtured and to grow into the best versions of themselves. That's the point. And so the best place, the, the primary place that happens is in the context of the family and in that context, again, we see why it has to be a shared project of the spouses. It has to it has to be intelligently discussed and negotiated because, like, all our temperaments are different, our personalities are different. It has to be this conversation about how we're going to do the work of it, but it's also going to be a growth in virtue, but that it's also going to be a full development of the person, which means that, like, again, you've been given particular gifts and talents, and they have to be developed, and the same is for our children. Like, it's to be this growth incubator for like the best versions of all the people in the household, but that, that can't happen by accident. And if we just let it happen by accident, not only does, is, can we not get all the stuff that done that needs done, but it also we tend to drift back into this, into this, what's normal in the world where we're always kind of looking outside of the house for fulfillment. Like I need to go out there to find important things to do, to pursue my passions, to do all the important stuff happens out there rather than no, our, our home can be the place where all of us, grow and develop and explore and do it together. Um, that's a vision. I think we've all experienced in it and we're trying to figure it out, but it's very different from what the world gives us. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this idea that 
um, like in these articles that I kind of jumped off of to to write my article that y'all read about the mental load of homemaking, they were very heavy on this idea that home work within the home is drudgery. Right. And so how can how can everyone how can we break this up as fairly as possible so no one's having to do these terrible tasks, which I think we can all relate to sometimes when yeah. we really don't want to do more dishes. We really don't want to do more laundry and the baseboards are really dusty and we don't want to deal with them. You know, we can all relate to that. But to see this work as something that is infused with grace, you yeah. know, that's that is important. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're on the receiving end of it and you notice you realize how really crucial those tasks are and how they build up the home. About a year ago, my husband went to part-time for about nine months so that I could go to full-time. He took over the homeschooling and a lot of the tasks at home. And I would get home after a day of writing and smell dinner cooking and the floor had been swept and the table was set. And it just felt like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. Like, this is amazing to be in this environment and to feel like I'm coming in and there, someone has put all this care into this space and into this meal for us to enjoy together. And so I think sometimes we forget when we're not maybe on the receiving end of it, we forget how beautiful and life-giving it is and how much those tasks really matter, even though they might feel like drudgery sometimes because they're not always pleasant, mm -hmm. but that, that they really do matter. Yeah. And they, they give so much to the home. We talked a little bit about this in the last episode on Jane Austen that sometimes when we think about virtues or about, you know, like growing spiritually, but we're, we're thinking about kind of the extrinsic things like the big moments like, oh, war or calamity or, oh, a big moral conundrum at work. But, it, but virtues are habits. We have to practice them. And if 90% of our life, which is what we are maybe wrongly thinking of as drudgery, we, we treat as morally neutral or morally boring, well, then we've left a tiny sliver of our life. We're expecting that we're going to be virtuous, you know, we're going to somehow practice. But no, that 90% of the life, the, the normal, ordinary life, we can turn, we can turn that on its head and say, no, that's where the drama happens. That's where I learn to serve. I learn to pour myself out for the other person. And, and it's a creative thing, too, because, again, as a couple, your family, your personalities, your kids are different than every other family in the world. Like you have to make a plan that is so unique to you and it has to constantly be changing of how we're going to continue to manage this home and help these little people grow up to big, interesting people. Like like there's so much art in that. There's so much creativity in that. But there's also so many so much opportunity to grow in virtue every day. And so like the, the saint that God's calling you to be. It's found in embracing that. And we just have too many people, even in the church, I think, who sometimes like they manage that as kind of minimalistically as they can, but they're still looking elsewhere to find fulfillment, to find virtue, to find drama, to find the adventure of life. And it's like God has given it to you in your vocation, right? Yeah, I've been realizing yeah, more. That's a beautiful way to think about it. No, you go ahead. I was just saying that's a beautiful way to think about it. Well, just recently, like maybe in the last four years, I've been realizing what a gift our family is to the priests and the clergy in our in our own diocese, in our own lives. Um, and I, I used to think of John Paul II, who's behind us on this wall here, um, 
as somebody who was just was a total gift to um, the spouses and the young people and the engaged couples that he used to hang out with and like pour into in the youth um, as this like he's giving of himself to them. Aren't they lucky? But then over time, like as I got to know my parish priests and your, you know, your brother's going through seminary and everything, um, just realizing that like if these men who who are true men and come from families um, don't have access to family life, the the joys and the 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 tediousness the and the loudness the and the mess yeah. and um, you can little by little become inhuman. And I think I started to see what John Paul II probably was seeing is that the more time he spent with families and engaged couples and the youth, the more human he was, you know, the more he was able to, um, to really hone his priesthood and his masculinity to something that was just a beautiful gift and light to the whole world generations, you know, after, um, and just realizing like, you know, when you come onto a committee, you know, we're all on committees all the time and sometimes they can just seem so foreign to your domestic life, you know? And I think that that domestic life is a true gift to the committees and the infrastructure and the hierarchy, um, because it keeps us all human, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's the, concept in the catechism where it talks about the family as the school of love yes that this is you know the first school of love that all of you whatever our vocation is we all came from a family and that the family is that first experience of both love being given generously to us and then us learning to sacrifice out of love for other people yeah i love that there's a quote in chesterton's uh, heretics on certain modern writers in the family, I think is the chapter is called, but he's talking about the difference between the clique and the clan. Like you go out into the world and yeah, you, you find people that are like you, you know, and you group together, you know, in your club or your work. And that has a place, you know, friendship and all that. It's in family though, that we are given other people. Like I didn't choose them. I didn't design them. I'm they're They're given. My, my children are given to me. <laughs> my, my siblings are given to me and we learn to love and be loved, not, necessarily because we're similar and we have of one mind, but because this is our vocation. So it's like, it's a necessary school of love that you can't, you can't do without. No. Mm -hmm. And often our family members are designed by God, especially to help us grow <laughs> and to point out our own flaws very effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we again, we want to mention this again. This is uh, an ebook that you have. You, I can't get in the camera here. Ma we'll link it. Big below. life changes or together. Um, before we, we need to draw to a close, we want to make sure that we we get out of here on time. But do you maybe if if you have any beginning pieces of advice, if you have a couple out there, maybe one or other, the other or both are sort of feeling. <laughs> The mental load of home making too much on themselves, or maybe they're recognizing that in their spouse and they want to work together as a couple. How can they get started? Any any pieces of advice to get started there in addition to reading your ebook? Sure. I think the the biggest piece of advice, I talk about this a little bit in the book, yeah. is you have to step back in order to be able to see clearly mm -hmm. what's going on in your family life, what your mission is. If you're in the middle of the daily grind and all of the urgent things that need your attention, 
it's just really hard to see the big picture clearly. So whether that means, um, you know, in an ideal world, going away for a weekend, I don't, I don't really know what that's like, but sometimes <laughs> it's here to see where that makes sense. Or maybe it's you get the kids all to bed and then you go sit on the front porch and you just kind of sit and enjoy each other's company and think for a while and talk about um, what's on your hearts and the things that you dream about and things that you're passionate about and what you'd really love your family life to look like. But finding some way to kind of step out of your ordinary and look at the big picture, look at your your goals as a family, your mission as a family, um, what what dreams you have, what you would love life to look like, or you think that God is calling you to, and then, and start from that space and, yeah. and think together and brainstorm together. And I, I, I want to reiterate that point and, and also to say that it's an act of faith to do that. Okay. Like, like you said, when you're in the midst of it, it's hard. One thing that the, one barrier to doing, making that move is because you're like, well, I can't see how it's going to get better. So like, why would I make this move? Why would I, you know, carve out more time? I don't have enough time. So, but this is, I think a good metaphor here is it's kind of like, or maybe it is the same dynamic involved with our work week in the Sabbath. You know, sometimes we get to the Sabbath day and we have that commandment and we're like, God, but if I just worked today, <laughs> if I just, like I could do more good, you know, and I'm already don't have enough time, but you're telling me to take a whole day and waste it. And the point is, is that when we make that act of faith and say, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll put the work aside and be with you and be present at the people that we'd actually discover something in that time that makes everything else look different. And exactly as you're saying here, when we step aside from that and trust, you know, if I step aside and I reconnect with my spouse, we share our hopes and dreams, we have these conversations again, whoa, it's like we remember why we got married in the first place. And suddenly all the mess looks like we could tackle it because we're doing it together, you know, and it's like. Mm -hmm it's worth it to, to make that sacrifice of time to reconnect because everything looks different when you do. Yeah. Absolutely. Recently, recently he stopped going to mass in the morning with, he was going to, he was taking one of our That's older kids. That's our big practical takeaway. Stop going yeah. to mass in the morning. No, yeah. no like daily mass. Um, Cause he was taking our older kids so that they could get more accustomed to being themselves at mass rather than the oldest sibling, you know? Um, and he realized through those mornings that it would actually be more beneficial for our family if he and I sat for an hour and did like a coffee date and just like talk to each other during that time because I'm ultra extroverted and sometimes I'm just better when I've had a conversation mm -hmm. immediately in the morning. Like I treat the kids better. I do my day better. I'm yeah, more organized. We tend to be tired in the evenings. You know, yeah. Just, and the evening is just going to bed. It's going to look different for every couple, but for us it was like even there as weird as it sounds with Catholic, it's like, I went to mass for a month in that morning and it was good and I'm glad I did it. But it, we recognize that what we really need is we need to get together and pray together and mm -hmm. have coffee and go over our schedules and talk about life. And like, that's where in our particular vocation where God's going to actually give the most grace. So, and it did. It, it did. gave a lot yeah. of grace. <laughs> anyway. Well, thanks so much, Haley, for joining us. And, and can you remind people again where they can find more of your resources and your books? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. So you can find me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Haley Carrots. You can find my first book, The Grace of Enough, and um, my new book released March 25th, Jane Austen's Genius Guide to Life, either at Ave Maria Press 
or at Amazon. And then lately you can also find me on the word on fire blog. Some of my writing. That's awesome. And I, and I really appreciate that that book's going to come out the day before you're due. I know you really had Teresa's postpartum period in mind this (laughs) time. We're going to enjoy talking about it. I aim to please. Uh, Well, thanks again for joining us, Haley. And, and thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you got some takeaways for your marriage. Again, that, that, as she said, um, it's an act of faith, but take that to step away and carve out that time to reconnect with your spouse because this adventure of your family and your marriage, this is how he wants to make you a saint. This is where, you know, the creativity is going to flow. You got to trust God and and lean into it. And so we're going to keep talking about this stuff. This is our favorite stuff to talk about. Yeah. You know, it's all good. <laughs> so again, thanks for joining us. Go to elevateordinary.com for more information about the show, to get back in the archives, to see the, the other episode with Haley, which was just wonderful. There's also information there about our patron community, the Manor at St. Anne's. Also download the Awaken app at theawakenapp.io. It's the best way to follow this show as well as other shows and resources from Awaken Catholic. So check that out. Again, thanks for joining us on this episode of Elevate Ordinary. God bless you. We'll talk to you again probably after the baby comes. See you. Mary Prudence is coming. Have a good day. (laughs) 